pencil in the apocalypse. I gotta get up at five o'clock in the morning and sparkle, Neely, sparkle. I know what some of your big city no bra wearing hairy legged women livers might say. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Maximum Film. It's episode 276, and we ain't got no tricks. We just got good movie reviews. It shows if you want to wait in the studio with me are my friends. So let me introduce you to them. First up, we have the Christmas Zaddy himself at maximum power right now. And <laughs> look, and we love him. He's our favorite critic. It's Alonzo Duralde. What's good? Uh, if he might, I got to devote my what's good this week to actor Neil Bledsoe, who is, uh, he's been in a whole variety of things, also a writer, um, but uh, recently uh, got some headlines because after making a couple of movies for the Great American Family Network, uh, he released a lengthy statement in which he said, until the network changes its attitude about uh, inclusion of LGBTQIA plus characters in its movies, that he was not going to work for them. And this is not just a, you know, a, an unemployed actor saying, I'm not going to work for you when nobody asked him. He's already made a couple of movies for them with uh, Danica McKellar, who's a, a, you know, was a co-star that wanted to work with him. Uh, and so this is a statement with, you know, some skin in the game and uh, really you know, spells out the whole thing about how important the queer community is to him and how much he understands the importance of, of representation and inclusion. And so, so often when people are called upon to make a statement or heaven forbid, make an apology, uh, they do so in such a mealy mouthed, overly diplomatic, you know, air pudding kind of way. And he just laid it out in a really beautifully written thing. I, I urge people to go read it online um, and just, just kind of named the names and explained what he was about. And I was really impressed with it. And uh, I, I think we need to see more of that as uh, the, the atmosphere gets more and more tinged with, you know, sort of fascist nonsense when it comes to, um, you know, uh, communities who are under fire right now in the political climate. So kudos, Mr. Bledsoe. I even Ooh. saw that. Not since Hillary Burton called Candace Cameron Bure a bigot did I feel <laughs> such joy and pride. <laughs> I like a little low road too, but uh, he was, mm -hmm. he was, he kept it very classy, but at the same time, it was absolutely clear about where he was coming from and what he was not wanting to participate in. We got, I'm going to just keep this show rolling. We're going to introduce the uh, queen of the Midwest, uh, super producer, festival programmer herself, Drea Clark. What is good? Okay, so I've mentioned before how when the Clarks gather for Christmas, we like to do forensic cases last year we did an escape room in a box and just today i received in the mail something inviting me to a taste for wine and murder that's right the clarks are doing one of those dinner murder mysteries <laughs> and i am thrilled about it invited by linda my mother who did not give me an rsvp option i am just coming oh, you're going be, you're oh, going yeah. Yeah. I will be playing Otto von Schnapps, a German wine merchant, boisterous and fun-loving, and my preference for red or white can be influenced by green. Get it? But the most important part is, and my family does not listen, so this will not be spoiled, did I order Lederhosen and a blonde mustache? I did. I wow. cannot wait. No Do one's ever accused you of not being committed to the bit. No. Am yeah. I going to be flying to Texas with this? I am. Ask me about it, TSA. Ask me about my mustache. 
See, everyone's been asking about the glass onion, but no one's talking about the glass honey crisp apple. So, uh, you know, we're gonna we're gonna <laughs> jump on that. Uh, you know, the real ones would know that the honey crisp apple, uh, the honey crisp apple, the honey. <laughs> Say it slower. Honey, I beg you. The, <laughs> <laughs> the real ones will know the honey crisp apple is the Minnesota state fruit. Uh, you know, there's something I definitely went off the top of my head and did not Google. Uh, so I'm gonna. <laughs> Keep so proud of you. So proud yeah. of you. Well, thank you. Well, next up, you know, we have, uh, you know, our wonderful host, but we also have wonderful guests. And today is no different. We have writer and director of The Apology, which comes out today in theaters and on Shutter. Allison Starlock, what's good? Woo-hoo! Well, thank you very much. First off, I have to say what's good is being here. This is real, real sweet. <laughs> Uh, what's also good is uh, having a Christmas movie that comes out at Christmas. That's really good. Um, that's pretty fun. And uh, uh, Alonzo and I were chatting before a little bit about how we're both, you know, mega Christmas nerds. Obviously, you'd kind of have to be if you make a Christmas film, you would hope. Uh, but also in, to, in celebration and gearing up for screenings and fun things uh, about the movie this week, I got my nails done for the first time in four years. Wow. And I got oh, actual festive. nail art and stuff on them, Ooh, which I figured yes. Drea would be very proud of me. I truly um, am. Yeah. I have literally never gotten any sort of nail art or French tip action, so that's f- making me feel nice and fancy and festive. So, If not now, when? <laughs> Truly, that's kind of been my motto through this whole process of putting the film out. I'm like, well, if you're not going to get that fancy thing now, when are you? When are you? Um, I want to give a shout to Allison because she has been indirectly mentioned by me. She is one of my dear friends in real life who actually listens to this podcast. <laughs> So I have referenced that before of my few friends who regularly listen, and Allie is one of them and has like brought up things that we have talked about that I have forgotten. Like, what? I said what? People hear me when I say that? Yeah. I know I'm getting to live the dream because often I'm listening to it and kind of talking back like, oh, it's a good point, or no, that is messed up, and now I get to do that with you. Woo-hoo! You can, you can yeah. yell at us directly, not just at your speaker. <laughs> Iffy, what's good? Oh, man, what's good with me is, you know, just coming uh, coming for my great vacation. I went up to Wrightwood, if you're in the L.A. Oh. area. You can go up to Wrightwood. It's only about an hour, hour and a half away. And it's basically like uh, going from uh, California to a mountain town. I've been looking forward to this uh, for, for almost a month now because I knew I was going to get a snowboard. I got my brand new snowboard. Got a brand new snowboarding bib, new boots, binding helmet. I got a new uh, headset to listen to music in. We go, Emily goes to her snowboarding class. I go down once, kind of take a tumble. I'm like, let's get back at it. I go down twice, and I sprain both ankles. Uh, So so I spent uh, Wrightwood just wobbling around uh, and uh, just doing a cozy cabin things instead of snowboarding all weekend, which was my plan. You bought all that stuff. You bought all that stuff. Sometimes you want to cut right to the apres ski, you know. Yeah. <laughs> if he, I can't even tell you how many of your what's goods make me want to sit down with you and a spreadsheet and be like, let's get into some financial planning. Kids. Oh, let us just just reassure Mama Drea right here what is going on. 
Look, you know, it, the, the rule goes, as long as I keep writing, I don't have to look at my bank account. So I'm going to keep that going. Uh, and, Decent and, rule. Yeah, and we, and we just just know it's only going to get worse as, as my career gets better. Like like if you thought Tyrese had too many Transformers, no. just wait. Oh my god, oh my god, no, no, yes. Oh. Can't just wait. be more hobby equipment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. oh yeah, just uh, all over the place. I well, absolutely, he's going to have the Pacific Rim. Kaiju. Oh, Gypsy Danger? Yes, yes I oh, want a live, lifestyle just hanging out. Well, um, look, today's show is going to be fun. We'll tell you if Violet Knight is on our nice list. Then we'll test our knowledge of cinematic Santas and Scrooges because everyone knows how much I love quizzes that I uh, have famously have done well in on this show. But first, it's time <laughs> for Ididic, our movie news segment where we ask the question, is this important? Do I care as we go through the week's movie news? That one is way more curt, and I might start saying it that way, but I'm probably going to forget and say it the old way. Kick us off, Alonzo. <laughs> All right. So this is uh, one in a series of stories about Dwayne Johnson, uh, Black Adam, reportedly made $387 million globally in its first seven weeks in theaters. That's the good news. But if you're thinking, hey, wow, that's a lot of money, uh, consider that the movie costs nearly $200 million to produce and at least another $100 million to market. According to a Variety article last week, the movie is unlikely to break even. Uh, Deadline countered that claim, saying that it might end up in the black by $50 million or more. Either way, it's not exactly the runaway hit that the folks at DC Warner Brothers were probably counting on. Is this important? Do you care? Uh, you know, I, I don't, I, 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 Henry, I, Henry. I, yeah, I have no, uh, I, I don't, it's very hard to find out if this exactly is something that is important, but I think it's important to realize that the foundation, you know, we've said this on many of the episodes where we talk about superhero stuff, specifically DC stuff, which is like the foundation of their movies don't really stand for a lot of these like fringe characters thing, especially since black Adam is, is supposed to relate to Shazam in some way. And just was like, nah, we going to do our own thing. And we're bringing in like Hawkman. <laughs> And yeah. who is like these are like hey, some of the, the most, kids love Dr. Fate. <laughs> yeah. And the funniest thing is James Gunn took over, so it's only gonna get more deep cut, but at least James Gunn will at least try and make it a little more uh, the quality go up because he he picks a deep cut character and tries to flesh them out where I just and I mean, and I know a lot of those millions went to licensing uh, power from Kanye West, and I know they regret that now uh, because it's it's a huge segment. Just just a huge fumble. I I'm a big fan of Dwayne, uh, just because he is just just a fun guy just to like watch from afar and i i don't need him to run for office because i'm almost 95 percent sure we're gonna find out he's republican and i don't need that in my life so you're saying yeah. that the box office is probably a preemptive tie to us finding out dwayne <laughs> johnson's actual political ideology I, i'm a, a teeny bit suspicious about the timing of all this only in that like you said james gunn and uh, the other gentleman who's 
whose name I'm forgetting have just been installed as the new sort of heads of DC films. And I'm wondering if this is a way to be like, well, those last guys really bobbled it, you know, because there's always that thing like new regime comes into the studio. And if there's heaven forbid some movie lying around from the last guys, they will just dump it in theaters, pretend it never happened. And then when it inevitably fails, they'll be like, well, yeah, look at them. Peter Safran. Thank you, Marissa. Um, But, you know, so I don't know if this is just a way of like setting the stage for the new guys to look even better um, or if it's an honest assessment of, hey, these movies cost an insane amount of money to make and then market. And uh, in the current climate, especially in a movie like this, that I think didn't open in either Russia or China, which have traditionally been big marketplaces for these kind of films. Uh, yeah, it's going to be hard to to make it back. And so, as we always say on this show, like, please bring back the mid-range adult comedy and drama, you know. But uh, in the meantime, the, somebody's got to crunch the numbers to figure out how to make these movies, you know, like, re- be a return on their investment. Yeah. That's the thing. I didn't see it because I heard it wasn't any good. And then you look at something being made at that price point and then them complaining about making that insane price point back. It's like, well, why did you spend that much money in the first place? Have we still not learned this? Yeah, I, you know what they I, I need guess to I'm do? a little in the I don't care camp. <laughs> I want they could have made this movie for half the budget if yeah. they had just given The Rock the exact level of CGI he was given as the Scorpion King in <laughs> The Mummy. Do you know what I'm saying? I want that just first render, that weird, like, it looks like, huh, how'd you get that animation to look like clay? That's what they, they could have saved so much. You can see the individual ones and zeros on the screen. I love it. My favorite. Yes. <laughs> Cost-saving yeah. methods by Drea Clark. I love mm-hmm. it. <laughs> Speaking of Dwayne Johnson, uh, he posted a set photo of J.K. Simmons as a jacked Santa. <laughs> the image of Simmons as a Santa with a home gym comes from the upcoming Red One, where he stars alongside Chris Evans, Lucy Liu, and Kiernan Shipka. And Johnson is in the movie as well, and is among the film's producers. The Rock's caption read in part, J.K. Simmons Worked his ass off for months to step into this iconic role in the amazing shape for a Christmas franchise film. The movie will be out next Christmas. Is this important? Do you care? Yeah, it's a it's J.K. Simmons <laughs> as a Jack Santa. I care very much. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, and J.K. Simmons has been jacked. Like he's I've I've seen videos of J.K. Simmons getting it in for a while, and uh, so I'm I'm hyped that it's getting the recognition it deserves. I do say that uh, my um, scared detectors went off when he said Christmas franchise film. Like why why are we chasing? Let's stop chasing. The, you mean the, you're, you're not looking forward to Red Two? Red three, <laughs> red four. I, yeah, I look. This is given that that we the last time that Johnson made a Netflix movie it was Red Notice. This is not exactly yeah. encouraging to me to think this is going to be something and Chris I want to see. Did the Gray Man? Uh, yeah, like, true. You're right. <laughs> Enough with the colors, colors already. Yeah, uh, Lofsky trilogy. All also, over again. like, come on, get, get, throw fat actors a bone. If we can't play Santa Claus, what is left <laughs> oh, for for point. for the plush gentleman? to look forward to in his later, in the twilight years of his acting career, if Santa's going to be Jack now. Like, can't we have anything? And can't the middle-aged man have that respite to look forward to? Like, if you, you know, do what you will with your body. Live in it as comfortably as you'd like to. But if you are an actor in this town and you're in your, like, what, 
late fit 60s like yeah. and they are like here's the thing jk we have a role for you but it's going to require you training with the rock i'd be like f that i've got a porch to sit on yeah like, if you thought there was a moment of your career where you were going to get to enjoy sandwiches again forget it yeah exactly oh bread bread oh. one bread one yeah, don't let me uh, don't let me be confusing. I'm not interested in it in terms of like, yay, let's be jacked. I just like the extreme contrast. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Someone who is known as this like character, thoughtful character actor yeah. is like looking Oscar like Oscar winner J.K. Simpson. I get it. <laughs> so like, intense. But I will say on a carnal level, would I like to watch a shirtless J.K. Simmons? Arm yeah, wrestle otherwise. a shirtless Stanley Tucci? I would. Oh, oh. I very well, much now would. you have my money, Miss <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right. Hey, speaking Wish of list. movies. I was uh, going to say speaking of money. Speaking of money. <laughs> Damn it. Well, you would have, wouldn't you? And I never can. <laughs> All right. As the Way of Water release date ebbs Ever closer, the world got a peek into James Cameron's process this last week. In an interview for Screen Rant, Cameron said that he wrote about the world of the Navi every day for six months. Then he met with the writer's room for his planned now quadrilogy and gave them 800 sweet pages of single space notes to read before starting, telling them, do your homework and then we'll talk. My subtext there is that James Cameron loves to think of the future, but doesn't know how to email a PDF. <laughs> is this important? Do you care? I think it's fascinating. I am an I, I myself am definitely an overnoter, overpreparer, overthinker, really. Uh, so I could kind of understand maybe why you could come up with 800 pages of notes, but why you would think you just give them. <laughs> To your writing staff, like you've bestowed upon them this gift to decipher and make gold with. It just Whoa. feels so condescending. It's amazing to me. But honestly, if he did, like plenty of people have like, oh, I have my own Bible. Oh, I did these sure. character breakdown. Oh, whatever. But if he actually did hand them physical copies, like yeah. in a room, like hostages. Like, yeah. think of the trees, of James Cameron. Once you've read all of this. Just a, a nightmare on my end. Someone who notoriously never read something my showrunner tells me to read <laughs> and, it's like, and always and they always hit me with the you know you read that right and I and I just I don't answer so I don't lie I don't want to lie to my showrunner but I don't answer. Of integrity. I just look at them and then they're like okay if he and it's like look I'm gonna tell you I'm gonna keep you I'm gonna keep it all the way funky with y'all baby uh James Cameron if you would if you would have sent me 800 pages of notes my boy oh my gosh I would I that's what day one would be is you're talking to me but I'm not hearing because I'm reading your 800 pages of notes on company time uh, <laughs> what's funny is the rap on Cameron is that he is you know a, a, a terrific director and a visionary and a you know uh, always embracing new technologies but writing is not his strong suit like the one Oscar nomination that Titanic didn't get that year when it got its record number of Oscar nominations was screenplay uh, so the idea of like oh yeah I I'll show you if we to write you 800 pages of blue people uh, and you're going to read it. And that's going to turn yeah. this into screenwriting gold. Yeah, it is almost a concession of that, though, because the fact that he has assembled a writer's room, like yeah. that's that true. he is 
handing it off and is like, listen, I've got the world building, I have the characters, I have themes I'm interested. Please craft this into something meaningful and not completely. We've invented eight new cameras that do stuff that no one's ever seen before. Yeah, Yeah, I would love to be in that room. But like when he was like, I plopped them notes down and I was like, and then I was like, before we started talking about new stories, let's figure out how the first story worked. I'm like, bro, I probably watched it twice before that room. I'm an improviser. You're going to think I read those 800 pages, but I did not crack it open once. Be like, damn, if you must have really been in it because he's talking for. 30 minutes and I'm gonna be like yeah all right that's good now I'm gonna sit back and let the other writers talk <laughs> I promise I, I do actually I'm not uh, gonna writing, lie but. I very much enjoy the idea of Iffy just channeling the Navi in some kind <laughs> of artistic <laughs> way tell me trust me I'm when when I'm telling you you're gonna have them Navi speaking Igbo Nigerian I'll be like look if we're gonna tap into a culture and then make it dancing with wolves let's 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 let my people get let, let us shine okay <laughs> If you know anybody on the st- uh, writing staff of the Avatar series and they send you a gift for Christmas, check at the, the stuffing in the box that they use to protect the package. It might be shredded pages of the 800-page treatment. You never know. That's the real gift. That's the real gift. It's hidden. Oh, man. Well, you know, on that Christmassy note, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, it's going to be a violent night, a gory night. All is dead. All is right. See you in a bit. I'm Jordan Cruciola, the host of Feeling Scene, where we talk about the movie characters that make us feel seen. And I'm the show's producer, Marissa. Jordan, you've interviewed so many directors, actors, writers, film critics, and I like to play this little game where I take a sip of coffee every time someone says, that's such a great question. That's such a fabulous question. Or they tell you how smart you are. I think that you are rather brilliant. And of course, the big one is when, when they, they cry, cry unexpectedly. unexpectedly. Yes, yes. Jordan, I don't want to cry on your podcast. I wasn't expecting to <laughs> cry. I mean, it makes me kind of want to cry. <sighs> Feeling Seen comes out every Thursday on MaximumFun.org. Listen already. What are you waiting for? Jordan, that's such a great question. <laughs> And welcome back to Maximum Film. I'm your host, Ivy Wadiway. In the studio with me are Drea Clark, Allison Starlock, Alonzo Duralde. Today's film has been in theaters for a few weeks now and stars David Arbor as Santa like you've probably never seen him before. It was directed by the Norwegian director Tommy Virkola, whose English language debut was Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters back in 2013. So, Alonzo, would you mind, as the Christmas zaddy himself, <laughs> giving us a brief synopsis of Violent Night. Sure, yeah. I suspect this is one of those uh, scripts that came after somebody never wanting to hear the argument about whether or not Die Hard was a Christmas movie again. Imagine (laughs) Die Hard, but instead of John McClane, it's Santa Claus, played here by David Harbour. This Santa Claus is uh, hard drinking and bitter and kind of ready to hang up the uh, the reins forever because the the job has just gotten suckier over the centuries uh, until he stumbles in on a, uh, a, a hostage situation. A group of criminals led by John Leguizamo, codenamed Scrooge, is holding a, well, a wealthy, awful family hostage. But uh, there is a lovely young grandchild, a granddaughter, who believes in Santa with all her heart. And her belief uh, inspires him to find the power to uh, take out all the bad guys and uh, with extreme Christmassy efficiency in the bloody hard R 
Violet Knight. Ooh, that was so good, Alonzo. Yeah, that was a that was the best landing uh, to date. Uh, yeah, I mean, he didn't say the name again, but you know, well, yeah, yes, he did. He said yeah, the he violent did. hard, the bloody hard, violent, violent night. Yeah, oh, God, you're right. It was so good. It like it put, it put me in a daze. <laughs> yeah, you were lulled right. into it. I was. Yes. Well, you know, we've been on the uh, Violet Night beat for a while. Uh, so, what did y'all think about this movie when you first heard it? Um, I, it gave me the same feelings as thinking of J.K. Simmons shirtlessly arm wrestling <laughs> Stanley Tucci. I love yeah. David Harbour. Yeah, like, yeah. he's such a just charismatic... Talk about someone, another actor, if ever problematic stories came out about him, I would take it personally. I would feel truly let down. But he has such a great star power. His... Energy, his charisma, he's game for things. He gets what he's in on the joke, but he's never mocking a situation. So something like this, like the idea of a drunken Santa, a violent Santa, Santa talking about his problems with Mrs. Claus. Like there's he's he's in it. He's so committed and so believable, um, but never pretentious. It's just a such a just smooth fit. Yeah, when I when I first saw like I saw the poster before I saw the trailer and I was like, okay, is this going to be another like is this a homicidal Santa? What it wasn't clear exactly upon whom the violence would be visited. Mm-hmm. But yes, the casting of David Harbour I was all for. Like I think if you want to have a good sort of middle ground between jacked, you know, ripped J.K. Simmons Santa and the more traditional <laughs> bowl full of jelly Santa, you have David Harbour who is I think you know uh, the kids would call thick. Uh, and so I, you know, he brings a a sort of, um, uh, a, you know, he's got an action star dad bod, and uh, and and yes, I think attitudinally it's is just way. right yeah. for this yeah. kind of sort of cynical Santa. So yeah, the casting was perfect. And then I saw the trailer, and I was like, okay, I yes, I see what we're doing here. This could be fun. I didn't even watch the trailer. I heard Violent Night, and I was in. I was like, this is exactly <laughs> my kind of film. I can't wait. <laughs> Well, look, it did come out, so you know, let's let's jump off to it. I, I like once I settled in and realized that this movie was going like full. This is going to be a cartoon. I was like in yes. for the ride. Also, look, I love me some John Leguizamo, mm, sure. so I it's truly can't throw him tr- in the arm wrestling yeah. mix. Yeah, yeah, and he just really <laughs> committed to it. But what I like about this movie was not only was it. I felt like such a fun homage to just Christmas movies in general, but just also how it in itself seems like, like when you're watching it, you think it's trying to subvert a Christmas movie, but it goes all in and is like, no, this is a Christmas yeah. movie. To fulfill a Christmas movie, if anything. Yeah. Like, like, oh. like speaking of the beats of them, yeah. it really was doing the Christmas movie beats. And I thought that was really fun. That's what sets it apart. And the diehard beats being, you know, a diehard, diehard fan. See what I did there? <laughs> yeah. uh, the, the beats of that, of this movie are so similar to the beats of Die Hard. And they throw in all of those great Christmas conventions. It was such a fun time. And the Home Alone references. Absolutely. Tides of Home Alone. Yeah. I think that the, uh, the important thing about this movie or the thing that truly makes it work and distinctive and, and so likable is touching on what Ify just said, that... By the time it gets to the end, the realization that, like, 
A, this is actual Santa Claus. Like, there's Santa magic. Yes. There's the magic of Christmas. There's that whole, like, weird Tinkerbell thing of, like, oh, you have to believe to whatever. Like, what? Yeah. Like, that there's this sweetness to yes. that sort of magic that they are not trying to be cooler than. They're not cynical about. Like, it is cooked into it. And so, but it also is side by side. Like, it's just all, and we're also very violent. <laughs> also, this Santa used to be like a Viking. A Viking. Like, yes. The backstory was probably like, my favorite part. Oh, yeah. I was and, like, what? And Nicholas is one of our battling saints, you know? Yeah. And, and it was that combination of things. Because if you have bad Santa, right, which we've also seen, or if you have, like, there's other directions it could have gone that would, I'm like, ah, fine. Oh, yeah, sure. He hates the job or blah, blah, blah. But this was like, oh, he's violent because he has to save this family and he's working with this little girl. You know, like there's the sweetness to it is what made yeah, it work. I, what I was impressed by, first of all, it was much funnier than I thought it was going to be, which I, yeah. I, I thought I really appreciated. But uh, just knowing how many places where this could have just gone off the rails, because this is a movie that asks you to sort of, it, well, okay, for one thing, there are these not just winks over telling you we're talking about home alone. We're recreating home alone moment, but still incorporating that into the plot in a way that doesn't just feel like, Oh, remember how much you loved home alone? Like it, it actually, you know, it, there are payoffs to it. It's a, it's a, it's a very R rated kind of home alone in terms of oh, yeah. how the traps fall. But like, you know, I, I've seen so many movies with these sort of winking nudgy references to other movies and it just falls flat because you just would rather be watching that other movie. But this one, they incorporate it within the larger view of it. The fact that it is, uh, it is a, a super bone-crunching, violent movie that also relies so heavily on the belief of a, of a young girl in Santa Claus. Those are not two tones that are easy to match up in a movie, and somehow this film pulls it off. Uh, you know, it's written by the guys who wrote the Sonic the Hedgehog movies. Um, I like to think that this is this is a one for them, you know, th th or a one for us. One for us th yeah. that they wrote yeah. between those two movies and just had a really good time doing it. But as uh, 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 it, they're starting with the highest of high concepts, but then they really do map it out in the i mean you know it's uh, obviously die hard is whole other level but i think it, it is it represents a platonic ideal of the action movie in terms of the way the plot works out where everybody is the the, the pacing and the editing and all the like die hard is in its way of the kind of film it is uh, perfection i've always said so uh and this movie is if not at that level nonetheless as intricately mapped out in terms of, you know, knowing where people are in relation to other people, setting stuff up that becomes important later, but not making it obvious that that's what you're doing, um, giving you these character arcs, giving you these fun, memorable, like awful supporting characters, you know, instead of having, uh, you know, Hart Bachner in this one, we have Cam Gigant that is a terrible, you know, Hollywood action star, you know, the great uh, Eddie Patterson from, from Righteous Gemstones, you know, uh, uh, Chris's movie Royalty, Beverly D'Angelo. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I just think this movie sets out to do a lot and, and is ambitious in what it's trying to do. And then pulls it off and they they stick the landing they close the deal and uh, i want to say a shout out we've not mentioned leah brady who plays trudy mm -hmm. the the young girl who whose belief in santa makes all of this come off 
that's a performance that could have so easily just been like icky cutesy kid and mm-hmm. she really finds a good balance of sweet childlike innocence but also like a human being i saw this in not in tandem with but close enough to the um lindsay lohan f- falling mm-hmm. into christmas falling, falling for f- for christmas and the little girl in that bless her wish her all the well that girl gives the most annoying grin the entire time. I'm like, <laughs> someone settle that child down. But I absolutely agree. The kid in Violent Night, it's such a funny line because she has to be like, eyes open, out the, oh, I'm full of wonder and light. I'm also going to murder these two henchmen <laughs> yeah. dressed like elves. I will kill them in raw visceral manners yeah oh yeah she's smart sitting there with her walkie-talkie like being oh, like they, was... they, they think i'm a dumb kid with a big imagination i'm plotting i love yeah. it oh yeah i love it um so i went to get all the deets for this because it's a very fun story so the writers were writing for back in 2016 for this uh youtube red anthology series called 12 deadly days and so this was originally going to be one of the episodes in the second season, but they never got a second season. So it went on to become a movie, yeah. which I think, uh, you know, I think this budget uh, and this was before, you know, David Harbour's rise to like, complete. I think all the pieces in this are what make it great. And for all these pieces to kind of sit it needed to be not on YouTube Red in 2016. <laughs> so, um, yeah. yeah, that was, yeah, I was, I heard that anecdote before I saw it and I thought that was so cool. And I just wanted to drop that, that that's, that's, that's the, the origin history. Story. The that's origin story. I did not know that. That's, that's good I, for a movie with such a good origin story involved yeah. in it. Yeah. I think the other thing, and Alonzo sort of alluded to this, that, the thoughtfulness of like there's this whole band of henchmen and we're given all of their nicknames and they're all cutesy like Christmassy na- oh, candy cane and whatever <laughs> and there's something like sure okay it's it's like rote when it's first introduced like sure fine they're all going to do that but then each one of them is developed a little like you get a sense of who each of the henchmen in each person in the family who's being held hostage you get a whole thing like you have this obnoxious TikToky teen. You have the the daughter, or like the main sister and brother. I say that, but they're grown. Like the two adult no. siblings of like. There's all of these things. They're so spe- every character is so specific and so overblown that it makes it more like if he was a you that was like, oh, it's a cartoon. Like I really yeah. yes. appreciated that of, oh yeah, we are, we are painting with broad brush in primary colors and we know it. So let's just get the broadest of brushes and the brightest of colors. And also we're going to do this all on a single location. <laughs> like most of it's going to be in a studio. All of it. I was like, oh, they had the best days. They got to work like normal human office hours <laughs> They had, like, until they had, this is also, and Alonzo, maybe in some future book, you can do a whole footnoted section for me. I think every Christmas movie should have to have a snowmobile chase. So (laughs) this one came through with the Drea Clark standard. Well, I think that's where the Die Hard 2 comes into it. (laughs) I was getting Return of the Jedi vibes, but yeah, I can see that too. I I also have to say, like, uh, even though it is so cartoony, the gore is so delicious, but it was also, I thought the thematic work here was actually pretty strong. Like the idea of like bitterness taking all of them over in various ways, Mm -hmm. that it was something that 
tracked through all of the characters and the ways that they were dealing with it, that it's the idea that bitterness is something you're trying, you know, have you given over to it or are you trying to fight through it? Um, and seeing like when Santa at the end is like, or, you know, this isn't a spoiler, but just says, you brought back my ho, ho, ho. I was like, yeah, man, bring back the ho, ho, ho. <laughs> which all which ties into the little girl's parents who are like estranged at the moment because yeah. the dad is still working for the awful Beverly D'Angelo. But yeah. like there is along the way, you see the, the, the attempt for them to sort of like reconcile and make it work. And, you know, obviously being thrown together in this, you know, traumatic situation, obviously is going to sort of strengthen their bond because they've been, you know, held hostage together. And they incorporate that at several points in the story. It's not just like, oh, let's introduce, let's have her, like, want her parents to come by. Like, there's actual plot points that turn up that are motivated by the parents' chasm and, and mm. him trying to, you know, reconcile or uh, is reconcile, fix what's going on. <laughs> um, but I also, you know, there's something a lot of people. Everyone knows Christmas is hard for a lot of people. The holiday season is hard for a lot of people. And sure. some of it is there's a lot of people who don't like their families very much and you are still kind of beholden to be with them. And there's a weird, interesting undercurrent of this. Of This is a family, this larger family being brought together where half the people there resent it. The other half are like performative the whole time. <laughs> I mean, I don't think this movie's intent was let's really just get into what the you know, what it's like to be a family member in America. Like, but it is <laughs> yeah, coming across. Like, it is, it, it enhances that. It's, you know, Die Hard had that idea of, like, the forced merriment of an office party of you have to go to, like, this. And do kind of looking at a family in the same way of, oh, you have to be in this. You're all trapped <laughs> in this house now. Oh, and now also there's people with guns. And, and dysfunctional yeah. family comedy Christmas movie is is one of my favorite holiday genres, you know. So just the fact that that was, that was just the cherry on top of all the mayhem. Oh, yes, indeed. All right, well, I guess on that note, we should vote. Votey? Y'all ready to vote? I'll vote. You know <laughs> I love Let's voting. Do it. The way we do voting here on this podcast yeah. is... Stream it, uh, skip, screen-, screen it, stream it, or skip it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Screen yeah. it being the highest, stream it being the middle ground, <laughs> yep. and skip it being self-explanatory. Cool. I'll uh, go. Oh, sorry. Alonzo. No, I was going to say, uh, tell Allie to go first, actually. <laughs> so she knows the friendly. levels and all. Yeah. Allison, yes, you do know the levels. What I would know. I'm so be? sorry for a second. I was like, oh, he, he need, he's explaining it to me. No, he's explaining it to the audience, Allison. Good job. <laughs> 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 My apologies there. Um, I would say stream it i i enjoyed it quite a lot but i wouldn't say it's one of my new absolute favorites but it's a good time and i th- and i don't think you're gonna miss out you're not gonna be sad if you spent the money going to the movies but i definitely say check it out for sure Ooh. i'm gonna I say, say oh please alonzo uh, uh, today sorry. i just really want to be up on you go <laughs> it's all the it's all the arm wrestling talk <laughs> cold shower for drea uh, I uh, would say screen it actually because I uh, had the good fortune to catch this uh, at Beyond Fest here in Los Angeles in a packed Ooh. house, and this mm. is a movie that I think really plays well with an audience. Uh, I, I mean, I, I do think that it, it will be you know perfectly fine at home, and and it, I could see it entering the rotation for a lot of folks, and uh, I think you know 
in the sort of R-rated, violent, action-y Christmas movies. Like, they're out there, but there's not a ton of them, so it's always nice to find a new one. But yeah, I do think this does play really well with folks. So if you are at a place where, you know, you are comfortable seeing it out in public and and, uh, can get to a theater with with, uh, other viewers, you'll have a good time. If I may quickly amend my recommendation then, that is a very fair point. I saw it with two teenage boys. That's all. So I did not have the full I, I get it. We're, we've, all, we've all been in that screening. That's a violent night. They Boy. did like the gore, though. Oh, man. Like every time. So it wasn't like um, a lost daughter situation where they just, you know, constantly disrupted. Yeah. No, not too bad. A lost, a lost daughter. That's a back. good poll. Yeah. Um, uh, this is a screen it for me. This was very fun, and it was also something that I was, like, filing in my head of, oh, yes, I definitely have people I can recommend this to that I'm like, oh, they're going to be fine with completely blasé skull bashing, because it's a lot of violence, but it's all comedic, if that makes sense. Like, it's definitely happening. It's definitely visceral at times. But it's never like, oh, I'm tense. Oh, it's a, it's not a horror that you're like, oh, someone around the corner. You're like, oh, someone's around the corner. They're about to get their head caved in. Um, <laughs> and it was. It was so likable. It moved along. I was very, very happy with this as a just to sort of flesh out, g- g- flesh out, terrible pun. But it's to perfect. give like to broaden. Oh, these are different Christmas movies in this sort of action genre. And again, you know, bonus points for the snowmobile chase. Mm, great, great. Oh, you know, it's a screener for me. Uh, you know, I, my, my audience wasn't given the, the, the energy that I needed. You know, we were the loudest in there crackling, <laughs> laughing. I was at the Regal all the way up in Laverne. I drove down from the mountain, wobbled my ass into the theater, had a uh, a spiked twisted tea, and was was enjoying that movie. Uh, that's if look if you got a movie, you could, this is a drinking Christmas movie. Uh, maybe bring yourself one of them uh, adult eggnogs. You know, and see what's <laughs> what's popping with that. Um, definitely. I'll say what you should prepare, get yourself some cookies, because there's so many Christmas cookies sampled (laughs) at the beginning of this, and I was like, oh, I really like a cookie right now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. 100% solid recommendation. For sure. Yeah, enjoy that cookie. Uh, But yeah, (laughs) we'll be right back after you hear from another show from Maximum Fun. Hal Laughlin here with breaking news on a revolutionary form of entertainment, professional wrestling. For more, we go to our correspondent, Danielle Radford. Professional wrestling is the craze that's sweeping the nation, featuring fisticuffs and colorful costumes. But who can help us make sense of this world of body slams? Lindsay Kelk has the answer. Sources tell us of an amazing podcast called Tights and Fights, filled with discussions of the absurdity of professional wrestling, plus all the sincerity and hilarity that you could shake a stick at. Listen to the Tights and Fights podcast every week. Find it on Maximum Fun or wherever you get your podcasts. And your old-timey radio. Welcome back to Maximum Film. I'm your host, Ify Wadiway. In the studio with me are Alonzo Duralde, Allison Starlock, Drea Clark. 
Well, first of all, we heard from last week's hotline caller who sent us the, that great voicemail about scumbag favorites. So, Shane, thank you so much for calling and being a regular listener. You were able to correct that uh, quickly. Shane! Yay, Shane. That, that was, was my great quote message. from the movie Shane. Yeah. yeah. Come back. Mother likes you, likes you, likes you. Yes. <laughs> Shane, awesome question. I went I'm right to the forever. original L word, Shane. Uh, Shane! Oh, yeah. Good poll. Good one. All right. Well, we got a lot of Shane references. Uh, let's, let's keep our brains, uh, you know, warmed up because Marissa's got a quiz for us. What'd you got? Hey, everybody. Yeah. Well, in honor of the holidays, um, we have a holiday themed quiz today. And this was actually inspired by uh, none other than Christmas Zaddy Alonso Duralde uh, on Twitter, um, tweeting about a, a very special performance from Paul Giamatti <laughs> in a new commercial. I believe uh, it's for Verizon. Yeah, he's he's playing Scrooge in the Verizon commercials. I was like, why can't we just have a Paul Giamatti Scrooge, please? Right. And then there was some conversation in the comments below about, hey, Paul Giamatti played Santa in the movie Fred Claus. If he played Scrooge in a movie, would that make him the only first and only actor to do that? Um, and so I just, you know, I did the research. What can I say? I, did, I didn't do ex- exhaustive research, but we've got, I've got for you some actors who have played Santa or Scrooge. And now, Alonzo, you generously volunteered to bow out of this since this is your field of expertise. Maybe what you can do is we'll let Allie, Drea, and Iffy just call out if you know whether the actor mm. I named has played a Santa or a Scrooge. And Alonzo, you can tell us what movie they did that in. Ooh, Ooh nice. that sounds good. Okay, you're on. Okay, starting off with Kurt Russell. Drea, oh, Santa. Jesus, I yelled my own name. <laughs> yeah, I yelled my own name. I did meet Santa. He was in the Christmas Chronicles. Yep, the Santa Chronicles. Yeah. Oh my God, that's Alonzo's. You guys, I'm no, so sorry. No, it's totally fine. I, it's totally great. If also, you know, Christmas good. Chronicles 2. <laughs> I truly was like, I'm not going to know a single one of these. I got so excited. You guys, did I just yell my own name? You did. But did also, I yell like, my I, own name? I was going to say, if it were a regular quiz, that would be right. But no, you never no. yell your own name. No. You have a buzzing word or something. I just, oh my gosh. Enthusiasm. Woof. You're getting a real taste of the cool girl energy I gave all through school. Pretty <laughs> <laughs> eager as hell. Yeah. Well, get get ready to yell out the right word again, Drea, because you're gonna know this one. Billy Bob Thornton. Santa. That's uh, Santa. Alonzo. In Bad Santa and Bad Santa too. <laughs> Yay. Luke Evans. Ooh. No. I'm gonna just yeah. guess and say Scrooge. You got it! Yes. Yeah! In, in the brand new Scrooge A Christmas Carol on Netflix. Oh my god, Alonzo. Oh. oh, amazing. Um, Albert Finney. Santa. No. Nope. He's Scrooge, isn't he? Yeah. And yep. In what yeah. movie? In 1970s Scrooge. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is a weird one. Um, Walter Matthau. Hmm. See, you said weird, so you mean like we would naturally think Scrooge. So he's that would be, be more of a fit. That's not so what I meant. I'm maybe afraid. Maybe more of a Santa. Oh. I'm afraid that's not what I meant. I would cast him as a Scrooge. Alonzo, do you know in what thing? I want to say Scrooge? in the animated The Stingiest Man in Town. 
You got it, man. Alonzo! It was fun watching Alonzo go, hmm, and then think, and then he went, it ah. Just, <laughs> yeah. Like, I watched the, the Christmas Eddie at work, and it was very impressive. Yeah, I meant it was weird because it was a TV movie. Um, oh. But, yeah. Um, Tim Allen. Santa. Oh, Santa. I mean. And the Santa yeah. Claus 1, 2, and 3, and the TV series, The Santa Clauses. <laughs> right. Nice. How about Michael Caine? Oh, oh Scrooge. Yeah. In The Muppet yeah. Christmas Carol. We talked about mm-hmm. it recently, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, when one. Love is Gone. Yeah. The famously huh? sung by oh, Michael right. Caine and some lady. Uh, Christopher Plummer. Plummer. Mm. Scrooge? Plummer's a Scrooge. Yeah. It is a Scrooge, yeah. Scrooge with an asterisk in uh, The Man Who Invented Christmas. Oh. Well, speaking of Scrooges with asterisks... <laughs> I just gave away the answer to the next one. Shit. <laughs> it was well, going to be. Well, let me guess. Scrooge. <laughs> it was going to be Bill Murray. Uh, that, that was Scrooge. the. Well, that, that was, was what I was going to guess. Yeah. I was gonna Scrooged. Say, that one. I. That's the Scrooge I know the most. Yeah. Me too. How about Ed Asner? Santa. Yeah. Yes. And how Alonzo. Enlighten us. So many Santas. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, when he died, I, I, I put this list together. He was in like 25 different like Christmas related things. And he played Santa in, I mean, most famously, obviously an elf, but like on so many different TV cartoons and made-for-TV movies. Mm-hmm. Like he, he has a lot of Santas under his belt. Yes, and Jermaine, to your tweet, Alonzo, mm-hmm. um, he didn't play Scrooge ever, but apparently he voiced Jacob Marley's ghost in oh. the 1997 A Christmas Carol yes. animated version. With uh, that's the one where I think Tim Curry is the voice of Scrooge. Right. So if anybody's not familiar with Christmas Carol, you know Marley, the guy who first ghost. Yeah. Everyone's favorite ghost. Yeah, yeah. for sure. All, All right. those now, chains. Number so one chic. in your hearts. Yeah. So now we're in a little pocket of people that I really think you could go either way, um, depending on at what age they did what, or I don't know. Um, Alec Baldwin. Baldwin. Scrooge. Let me say Santa. Ooh. Allison, what were you thinking? I'll go Scrooge. I no, thought it was Scrooge. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Santa in uh, Guardians of the whatever the the movie was like oh the ghoul or the no 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 not the owl no this one is called Rise of the Guardians Rise of the Guardians the voice performance yeah Ah. it's like Santa and the Easter Bunny and Jack Frost and all these yeah oh right you know the Guardians (laughs) yes oh when they rise yeah Yeah, that one yes yeah I was thinking of the galaxy Um, in fact when when they rise that would be cool. Santa should show up in that. Yeah. Um, all right. Brian Cranston. Ooh. Cranston. Santa? I don't Scrooge. know for sure. I, uh, it, I don't know. <laughs> it, uh, oh. Well, it is, in fact, Santa, nice. according to the internet, in something called the Santa Claus Brothers, which is from 2001. I uh, missed that one. It's entirely possible that it's like a funnier die sketch. I don't know. <laughs> like I said, did that some research, not true. all the research. Um, Mel Gibson. <laughs> Scrooge. Not in real life. Surprise. Oh, I'm so sorry. I wasn't playing right. <laughs> Santa? Santa in Fat Man. Oh. 2020's Fat Man. Yes. Yeah. Jim Broadbent. Jim Broadbent. Santa. This total Santa energy. It's gotta energy. be a Santa. 
in Arthur Christmas. Oh, apparently he also played Santa in Get Santa. Oh, right. British comedy. Yeah. And he has played Scrooge on the West End. So I was going to say, if anybody could, I could swing see both, both. Yeah. I could see yeah. him in that. Right? Yeah. Get you a get you a broadband that does both. (laughs) (laughs) Just a few more here. Leslie Nielsen. (laughs) Santa. Scrooge. Santa in it's like is it all I want for Christmas? Is that what the movie's called? Yeah, young Ethan Embry and oh, I love that movie. I feel like I can picture him. Yeah, yeah. The kids who live above the diner. Jamie Sheridan is the dad. Yeah, and also in. A 2000 American made for television fantasy comedy, Santa Who? No. This is according to Wikipedia. So. If he but I, but is I can see that the poster. talking about Santa Who. I can yeah. see on the poster that he's clearly playing Santa in it. So, yeah. works for me. All right, just a couple more. Jim Carrey. Santa. <laughs> I, <laughs> What if it weren't Santa? It's like it's like it's like a Scroogey Santa over there. Is that that is, is Marley inspired. Marley, Santa. it goes to the North Pole. No, he was Scrooge in 2009's A Christmas oh, Carol, yes. the, the stop motion or the, the mocap one. The CGI, one. Where, where, yeah. yeah, I totally yeah. forgot. Oh, the one where Gary Oldman plays Tiny Tim. Oh boy. <laughs> well, as long as we're in the uncanny valley, how about we close out with? Tom Hanks. <laughs> no, Santa. That is a Santa. Pol- Santa. Oh, sorry. Oh, and the Polar Express with the Aerosmith elves. Yes. Now, <laughs> apparently, Tom Hanks if, is in a blink if you miss it turn in this movie, right, where he plays all these different characters. Tom Hanks uh, also plays something called the Ebenezer Scrooge puppet. I, the I've- internet refers yeah, to him as a minor antagonist. Yeah. I've, I've heard film. people mention that he's kind of both in that movie, but I, I do not remember the Scrooge puppet, but then I've tried to flush most of that movie out of my mind. I even had to rewatch <laughs> right. it this year because of Deck the Hallmark. So, <laughs> I, If they didn't sell figurines, it didn't happen. <laughs> right. And I mean, is a, a puppet Scrooge is not Scrooge. I right? suppose not. I don't, yeah. yeah, no, uh, I mean, he, I've always said that. So, Paul Giamatti, as far as we can tell, the crown is still yours for the taking. Yes, unless Jim Broadbent gets there first. Yeah, <laughs> right. And, and you know, uh, my no list of Scrooges is complete without um, Tori Spelling, Susan Lucci, and Vanessa Williams, who all played versions okay, of Scrooge great. in uh, TV well movies. <laughs> when I think of the time I wasted researching this <laughs> names for this quiz it wasn't a lot of time mind you but i should have just asked for a list from alonzo it would have been a lot faster and probably more accurate if, if only i'd written a book with an entire chapter about christmas carol adaptations well you can talk about that in a minute yeah, um, we'll iffy that. why don't you uh yeah, take yeah, it away jump. thanks All everybody right. thanks marissa thanks marissa, thanks, marissa. Well, you know, Marissa already lets you know we're really in full Christmas mode here at Maximum Film, and our own Papa Noel is Christmas Zaddy Alonzo Duralde, who will now wow us with a one-minute recap of all the holiday films he's seen this past week. So, you ready, Alonzo? Oh, why not? Go crazy. 
Okay, so Holiday Spectacular, this is uh, Netflix's very, or sorry, Hallmark's very ambitious uh, Rockettes movie. It was a period piece, and they shot in Radio City Music Hall, and there's dance numbers, and it's really quite well done. I was very impressed. Well well played. Uh, Christmas, Bloody Christmas premiered on Shudder, uh, and it is uh, a, a, uh, Abraham Ben Ruby is a killer robot Santa. Uh, very low budget, and I wasn't super down for like the kills or all of the pop culture talk, but it's got its audience out there. People are digging it. Uh, a fabled holiday kind of a fun idea but very miscast sorry hallmark the holiday stocking the mahogany line does an all black christmas film uh and it's actually a really beautiful film about um a family working their way back together and uh, the sort of dead brother coming back uh, as an angel to get his two sisters to start speaking to each other again uh undercover holiday uh basically a fake fiance movie but what if also the bodyguard and eh, it didn't really work the most colorful time of the year maybe the stupidest hallmark movie i've ever seen and that's really saying something doesn't know anything about colorblindness or color or Christmas or anything else and then uh, Gift of Peace it's a faith-based movie and I'm not a faith-based person oh well done. Did wow. well done. there it is there that was, it is that was beautiful to witness packed, right it truly is it truly yeah. is see yeah you got to see it real time this is that's the action that we get to witness every week <laughs> uh, when we when we get into Christmas movie minute season but look if you want to stay off of our naughty list this year, you'll pick up a copy of one of Alonzo's books. Tell the people about those books, Alonzo. So, yeah, I've got uh, a book that I wrote called uh, Have Yourself a Movie Little Christmas. It's about the uh, t- t- a long view historical take on Christmas movies. Uh, the ones you expect, your your elves, your It's a Wonderful Life, but also your diehards and your eyes wide shuts and your lion and winters and your metropolitans. Uh, and I'm also the co-author with the host of the Deck the Hallmark podcast of I'll Be Home for Christmas Movies, which is an exhaustive look at more than 100 Hallmark Christmas movies, as well as a history of Hallmark and Christmas and TV. Uh, recipes for throwing your own watching party, a bingo card, the whole nine yards. If you love Hallmark movies or you'd like dunking on Hallmark movies, you'll find it a lot of fun, I think. And if you have a relative who loves Hallmark movies, you have to get something for the holiday season. I'm told it's the perfect gift. I can confirm it is. It is. Get both of them. Don't be so stingy. (laughs) Go ahead and stuff those stockings with those good books, okay? Well, now it's time for staff picks. It could be any movie at all. So um, who wants to start? I do. I would like to start if there's a movie that I saw about a little bit ago, maybe a month or two or a little earlier than that, that's coming out this weekend. It's called The Apology. It's directed (laughs) by Alison Locke. It is so good. It is a genuine two-hander, a format Alonzo and I like, uh, with Anna Gunn and Linus Roach. It Mm. takes place all one evening. Is it Christmas Eve? It's Christmas Eve. Hey, the writer-director's right here, so I can ask her. Janine Garofalo (laughs) pops in for some little bits of magic and female friendship. Allison is an incredible storyteller, and she is telling a story with this, and it unfolds and has revelations and tensions and emotions and some thrillerness, and so it's just great. I very much enjoy it. Please support it. It comes out theaters across the nation, um, but also on Shudder. So, first-time filmmaker, you support her with your box office dollars, and also you'll enjoy it a lot. The Apology. Oh, thank you, Drea. I get to be a guest and a staff pick. Christmas (laughs) came early. (laughs) I love the word thrillerness. I'm going to be using that one, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) 
Uh, my staff pick this week is uh, we've had kind of a bumper crop of, of really interesting and wonderful new Christmas movies. I was not the biggest fan of Christmas or Christmas, but I know a lot of people are really digging it. But uh, a movie that I did enjoy quite a bit and even more so on the second viewing is uh, Apple TV Plus's Spirited, uh, which mm, is so a take on the Christmas uh, Carol mythos. Uh, it's about the ghosts who apparently come to Earth every year at Christmas time and uh, pick one person a year to try and reform. Um, and this year they have picked Ryan Reynolds as a very sleazy sort of uh, media manipulator. And um, he tests the limits of just what the ghost of Christmas present, played by Will Ferrell, making his first Christmas movie since Elf, uh, can muster. Uh, this is a big, splashy, elaborate, expensive production. Uh, the songs are by Pasek and Paul, which often a deal breaker for me but these songs I find are growing on me after two viewings and um, yeah it's just uh, colorful and the choreography is extraordinary and uh, this is I think a real keeper in the Christmas canon so yeah spirited that goes a long way Alonzo I was not going to check that out and now I will all right. Because Alonzo Duvalde said to. Ooh, it's a power. good time it's that's a good time oh, there you go backed up by Allie alright yeah it's fun Allie, you got a staff pick? Yeah, what you got? I got a staff pick. Um, I'm pulling one from a couple years ago because this this lovely poor movie was released in March of 2020. So I want to give a little love to International Falls, which (gasps) is... Yes! Yes, I figured Drea might have seen it I programmed that at Bentonville Film Festival. Oh, nice! Plus it takes place in Minnesota. (laughs) So yes, it takes place in International Falls, Minnesota. I Falls! And it is a uh, a female director, Amber McGinnis, and uh, Rachel Harris plays a uh, woman who is sort of stuck in this small town in Minnesota, has sort of ambitions for stand-up comedy, doesn't really know how she's going to kind of get there. She's working at a, um, at a very average, at best, hotel at the front reception, and she befriends the... Uh, very witty, very bitter stand-up comic who uh, Rob Hubel, who was also fantastic and spontaneous, if you haven't seen that. And uh, it's basically about their friendship as she's sort of learning a little bit about the uh, practicalities of stand-up comedy. But it was also, I was very touched by this this mom figuring out her voice, which is something that I experienced going and being a mom, going into making my first feature. And I just thought it was so lovely and it's really stuck with me, the 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 snowiness, I feel like, would be a nice, nice uh, pairing with your Christmas movies if you want something that's kind of similar vibe, but not uh, overtly Christmassy. Yeah, yeah. So, International Falls, check it out. Nice, cool. Bring it home. Bring us home, Iffy. <laughs> oh well, bring you home. Look, I, like I said, I'm a Leguizamo stand. Lots of movies to pick from to throw your way, but you know, there's another stand that I uh, love all the way down. Another Maria uh, Lewis uh, shout out down from the uh, down under, and you know we're gonna do Romeo and Juliet because when I saw him show up in that outfit yes. with those two guns, I was like, hmm, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, sexuality is fluid. Uh, <laughs> So uh, let's give it up for <laughs> Romeo and Juliet by Baz Luhrmann. Uh, give that a watch. Uh, tell me what you think. Uh, and shout out to my English teacher that made us watch that. Because, uh, you know, it was like, yeah, y'all getting a cool movie, but it is like literally the text. So good luck with that. You That's why the full title is is William Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Never not funny. Romeo plus Juliet. <laughs> yes, Romeo plus Juliet. <laughs> 
I love that movie. Well, you know, Leguizamo says he's thinking about making The Pest 2 because apparently the the kids keep coming up and telling him how much they love that movie. So, you know. Oh, yeah, that was I, I chose not to because I haven't <laughs> watched it recently, so I can't tell you if it stands the test of time. <laughs> so I'm not going to recommend it yet, but I will rewatch it uh, just to see. But yeah, that was when I was I discovered it with Romeo and Juliet and the pets. I was past. I was like, oh, cool. And then he was the violator in Spawn. And I was like, oh, <laughs> all right, but let's keep this thing going. Thank you to our Allison Starlock. Uh, where can Yay. people find you? What should they be looking out for other than the apology? Which, come on, crank up them shuttered uh, subscriptions. Go run to the theater. If I I want to see all y'all, I need I need tweets of screenshots of y'all watching the apology, uh, and maybe I'll pose naked in front of another one of Alonzo's books. <laughs> That is such a giving offer. That's so lovely. Um, yes, you can go see The Apology in theaters, VOD, AMC Plus, and Shudder. I was personally especially psyched about Shudder because I'm a big horror nerd. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Allison Starlock. You can also technically find me on TikTok under Allison Starlock, but I'm old and I'm learning it still. So I'd love to hear from everybody what they thought of the film. Thank you very much for having me on. Yay! Thank you for being here. Nicest woman in this town, everybody. Nicest <laughs> woman in Los Angeles. Oh, oh. thank you. That's co- a lot coming from you, darling. Oh, yeah. I'm a bitch. Yeah. Oh, sure. Oh, well, you know, Dre and Alonzo, thank you for another wonderful show. Thank you, sir. Yes. And you, the listener, thank you for listening. And if you have a comment or suggestion about this week's show, tweet at us at Maximum underscore film. Our Facebook group can be found at www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Maximum Film or send us an email at Maximum Film at MaximumFun.org. Our producer is the wonderful Marissa Flaxbart. Our senior producer is also wonderful. She's on my nice list. Laura Swisher, and this is a production of Maximum Fun. Bye-bye. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.